Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. God bless you. Say hello to someone as you're being seated. We're so happy to have you with us. I love everyone so much. I do feel teary. I don't know something about this season we in, but just thinking about everything and every price some of you mothers have paid. And you know, it, it means a lot. Some of you have raised your children by yourselves. Some of you have lived in abusive situations. Some of you have suffered sickness in your family. and. I'm right alongside you. I've been through the fire and the floods, as Isaiah said, but but the Lord has been with me and He's brought us through. So I just appreciate you so much today. You're so beautiful and I love you. And if, if you've ever been around me and you know me, I always say, if you see me in a headband or if my hair's up, what does it mean? Y'all that know me, what does it mean, girls? No, it means I couldn't do one thing with my hair. So I'm just telling you. I couldn't do one thing with my hair. And I was like, Gary, this is not working. Okay, so if, now, now that you know me a little bit better. Hey, Karen. Hey, guys. Nice to see all of you. So glad to have everyone. Now I am going to cry. Thinking about all these people that I know and that love us. You know, that means a lot. Doesn't it mean a lot when you love people, but then when you know love that people love you? Something makes you cry more to think they love, they love me. I'm not worthy. Jesus loves me. I'm not worthy. So today, my title is The Wiles and Wonders of a Woman. It is Mother's Day after all, but it's going to be difficult because maybe in five minutes, I'm going to go through 10 books of the Bible to get to 1 Kings because some of you don't understand the procession and the evolution of how the Bible rolls forward and how we get to places. You just hear preachers say, we're taking this text and here's what's happening. But I'm gonna give you a little breakdown to tell you in the beginning, you know, God created everything and he made man because he had to like make a prototype so that then he could like make the real stuff. You know what I'm saying? So we know that Adam and Eve, time went on, Noah, the flood, all those things came about. And then we have Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The the faithful, Abraham the faithful, Abraham the friend, Abraham the father, all three F's always think the father of many nations. The Bible spoke that prophetically. God spoke it to Abraham. So Abraham and Sarah had a son. Miraculously, Abraham settled for a son from a slave woman, one of their servants, but it ended up it wasn't the plan God had. So they had Isaac, then Isaac begat Jacob. And this is an important part that I want you to understand from Jacob He had 12 sons. Everybody say 12 sons. I'm just wondering how his wife 
made it through all that. 12 sons, and maybe they had daughters. I don't remember reading about that, but we know he had 12 sons, and we know one was Joseph, who was sold on a slave train because his brothers were jealous of him and the call of God that was on his life. And so rather than uh, bow down to it, they just thought they would get rid of him. So they put him on the slave train. He grew up in Egypt. This, all this I want you to understand before we get to the story. So he grew up in Egypt. Then when there was a great famine, well, guess what? He ended up sending for his father, Jacob, who was the father of the 12 sons that God called the 12 tribes of Israel, not of Jacob, because in the process, he changed the name of Jacob to Israel. So now over in Egypt, where God once said, don't go down to Egypt, there's sin over in Egypt, there's idolatry, there's all kinds of wickedness. And yet they ended up living in Egypt for over 400 years in Egyptian bondage. But it so happened over that long period of time that the children of Israel multiplied in upwards of 1 million people. And that's the million people or so that Moses was called to bring out of Egypt. Does that help you a little bit better about understanding? Does that help anybody? Okay, it was worth it then. So there's still a little bit more. So we know they went, Moses died, Joshua was their leader. They went in to possess the land. You know, they went in to take possession of the land and they spread the 12 tribes of Israel. They would say, okay, where do you guys wanna go? You go here, you go here. They split up, they took possession. Everyone took possession except the tribe of Levi. And if you don't know this, the tribe of Levi was distributed among all of the tribes because they were the worshipers. They were the dream team, really and truly. They were the dream team of that day. They're the ones that set everything up. They guided people, gave them announcements. They brought everything down. They furnished the temple with all the furnishings. So that was the job of the Levites. And so they lived dispersed among all these tribes and they actually lived off of the tribe's income, off their tithes and offering. That's how that began in the early days. And you know what, they got so disgruntled, they looked around at all the nations and they're like, huh, they have princesses, they have kings, they have queens. We, we wish we had a king and a queen. So they began to complain. And you know, God, He knows what's best for us, but when we complain a lot of times, has he ever given you something that you really didn't need, but you got it? Yeah, one time we had a dog like that. that I, mean, I think dogs are awesome. I love them. I look at pictures of them and send people pictures back about them. They're amazing. But, but we had one, one time that just wouldn't, wouldn't do anything. I mean, we wanted this dog so bad, I drove about 800 miles to get it. And I just talked to it and got to know it and everything on the way home. And then finally I was like, you know what? I think another house is for you. You belong in another house. And so that, that's what happened. That beautiful little dog and he's still living and he lives with a hairdresser that's got two little kids and they're very happy. I'm, I'm very happy for them. So I check on him, but I always, 
feel like we've never had the right time to, to give animals. We've had birds and turtles and hamsters. And one time we had a hamster and it got out of Tyler's cage. And about three o'clock in the morning, I heard something going <laughs> and I opened my eyes and that hamster was right here on the side of my head. We got a lot of animal stories. Someday we'll have a program on animals. So the people wanted a king. And so God gave them a king out of the tribe of Benjamin. The first king was who? Say it loud and say it proud. Saul, he was the first king. The second king was David. And then the third king was Solomon. Now this part, you probably don't know. When Solomon was king, there was politicization among a guy named Jeroboam who was over all the tribes. And he got with others talking down Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and he actually divided the kingdom. They were the children of Israel. That's what they were known as. But he divided the kingdom and 10 tribes went to the north and became the children of Israel of the north. And to the south, two tribes went, Benjamin and Judah, and they became the tribe in the southern part at around Jerusalem. From that tribe, we know is the lineage of Jesus because Jeroboam was not a lineage. He was not part of David. So we, we look to the south to see the lineage of Jesus coming. So after this split, then there became the first king of the northern Israelites. So the first king, second, third. And so here we're stopping at the seventh king, whose name is Ahab. And that's where our story actually begins today with King Ahab. And the Bible says, 1 Kings 16, verse 9, in the 30th and 8th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Israel, to reign. I'm, is, is that right? Am I at the right scripture? Anybody got a Bible? You know that thing, it's a book, and it says like, holy Bible, you open it. Yeah. That's not right. How about verse 29? We'll play Bible roulette here. Is that it? In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. So now where's, where's the king of Judah? In the south. Okay. See, isn't that confusing when you're reading? In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, the son of Omni reigned over Israel. So if you didn't, if, if I didn't do anything today, but make you understand that that's how this is working, that there was two things going on. The kingdom is divided. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil, say evil, in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Eth Baal. Baal, does that ring a bell? Baal. And he took her for his wife and he went and he served Baal. 
and worshiped him. This is the king of Israel, not the king of Sodom and Gomorrah or some city you might be thinking that sounds close to this evil. This is the king of Israel in the north and he worshiped Baal and he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria and Ahab made, that's an important word, I wanna explain it later. He made a grove and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did Hiel the Bethlehite build Jericho. I won't read all the rest of that verse. I wanna tell you about this guy, Hiel the Bethlehite. 500, talking about consequences, 500 years before this, when the walls of Jericho came down, remember that story? The walls of Jericho came down and in that day of victory and testimony, Jericho, uh, Joshua said, forevermore I declare cursed be the man that ever tries to rebuild Jericho ever. And the man that ever tries to rebuild Jericho, he is gonna pay for it with the price of his firstborn son and the price of his youngest son. And if you read on in that verse, that's exactly what happened. His firstborn son died when he started building. And then when he put the gates up to the city at the end, his last son died. So we know Galatians 6 and 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. They had passed the story through generations. And you and I know we have sown evil seeds in our life and we have reaped them. And if you haven't reaped, the seed from something horrible that you've done. It's going to come. That day's going to come. We can't, even if we repent before God, even if we say, Lord, I'm so sorry. We the Bible says, if you sow, you will reap. So we pray that when that time comes, and I've been through many seasons of reaping wrong choices in my life, but God's been with me. He's helped me. Once I understand it, I just say, you know what? This is my season of reaping, and I'm going to just Suck it up, I'm just gonna take it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do whatever God wants me to do. So here we are, Ahab is married to Jezebel cause he goes over to the Mediterranean coast where she lived. So he married a beach babe. And so she was very sensuous, very alluring, very deceptive from the get go. She was a witch. She practiced whoredom. She practiced deceit and she divisive and she lied and everything that you can think of that was evil. And yet the king of Israel wanted to marry her. It's a sad thing, isn't it? You know, because she, he was so bewitched and he made a grove. I'm coming back to that because most kings would grow and plant these trees that would grow groves so that they could get inside there and be hidden while they're sinning and worshiping idols and committing all their sensualities and lewd acts and, and carving these idols. But he made it. He had one made. I could just see him pulling canopies and cloths and just, let's get under this. Somebody get us in this dark place. Why? Because sin cannot wait. Sin cannot wait. Sin has one timeline and it is now. And that is exactly what was happening with Ahab. This evil was rising and rising and rising. 
And so sin could not wait and the whole kingdom was becoming polluted. Girls here, ladies here, wives, mothers, women in general, we have a distinct power of influence that God has given us. How many of you ladies know that, that you have a power of influence? How many of you are like, I couldn't influence a flea? You believe you have a power, but we do, we do. It's, there's nothing like it. Women in general, we just have a power of influence. Jezebel had this thirst for evil. We can use our influence for good, for blessing. We can also use it for evil. We can use it to you know, get things we want and we know how to use it. We know how to get it. And that, that's the way it's always been. But I want the blessing in my life. I want to use my life and everything that a woman represents to be a blessing and to further that through my children, my grandchildren, through my lineage. Amen. So now, just when things got worse, God sent a prophet and he always sends a prophet to speak out his word for himself. And we know in those days, prophets wore mantles. And so they were identifiable because people could see a person walking up with that certain kind of mantle and they knew it was a prophet. They knew it was a prophet that served the one true God, the living God. They called him the living God. And so he came on the scene in chapter 17, verse one, but we don't know where he came from. Much like Melchizedek, there's no parentage, if you look, of Elijah. It only said he came from among the, the Gileads, but there's no father mentioned, no mother mentioned, no family mentioned. He just showed up like he dropped out of the clouds one day. And much like Enoch, who didn't die, remember Enoch was walking with God and then God just took him up to heaven. He didn't die a natural death on this earth. An amazing story. Well, Elijah was much the same. How many of you know he didn't die on this earth, but God sent a chariot of fire and Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire. That's a hot rod. <laughs> so verse one, chapter 17, I try to be funny a little bit. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, this is Elijah speaking for God, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain for these years, but according to my word. Now, we know he was speaking for God. He wasn't saying according to Elijah's word. And the word of the Lord came to him immediately. Second verse, he, that's all he did. He just said, it's not gonna rain for years until I say so. Then he backed up and as he was talking, the Lord said, get thee hence, get thee out of Dodge. Go, you go down by the brook Cherith and you stay there by the brook until I tell you to leave. He didn't know it was gonna be two years. But he said, you stay there by the brook until I tell you to leave because I have, this is God speaking, I have commanded ravens, mm -mm, mm -mm, ravens to feed you flesh and bread twice a day and you can drink out of the brook. Ravens, that's like from Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds. That was like a filthy animal. And, and by the way, I did my history. That movie, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, there were ravens and crows in that movie. It wasn't all crows. You might've thought it was all crows. 
but ravens. I mean, they, they feed off of you. They don't feed you, they feed off of you, if you saw that movie. So the ravens came, sure enough. Can you just imagine like, well, you know, I don't know what today. I don't know if he ordered his room service or if it was just bread and, and meat like, like they had maybe manna in the wilderness. I don't know. But we know that he survived off of, off of the bread and the meat provided by these ravens. And so then after two years, God says to him, you know why God said it? Because the brook dried up. You might be there today. The brook might be dried up in your spiritual life. You know, when the well's dry or the brook, the brook is dried up, you know, there's, it's time for starting to look for something else. Go, go a little bit deeper. If it's dried up, we need to go a little bit deeper. Some of us live our life just wading around in the shallow waters of God. And others of us, you know, we might get a snorkel and a mask and we get a little bit farther out in that, but then there's some like Jessica and Everett that put on the whole deal and they go down to the bottom to see what they can find. When I was thinking about that yesterday, I feel like that someday you're gonna be down there and you're gonna find something that's valuable. I did, I just felt that when I was studying. So, but how many of you have ever done that where you put all that on and you go under the water? Scuba diving, that's what it's called. Any other scuba divers? Okay, so we, that's, that's like a small group, Everett. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. We put people together that have, have the same interests. And then you might have a dog group or, a, uh, or you might have a cat group or what, whatever is of interest, yes. And then we can go to those. So, but he, the Bible says that he says, go now, go down to Zarephath. It was about an eight mile walk. And he said, because... I have commanded, again, there's commanded. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. And so go there now because I'm with you. I want you to go there. So he showed up at the gates of Zarephath and sure enough, right there at the gate, there was a woman, a widow woman. She could have been 19. Why do we, if we're like acting out this, we'd be like, there was a widow woman gathering sticks. I mean, that's always in my head, but she could have been a teenager. We don't know. She's just a widow and we don't know. Maybe her husband died of starvation. Maybe they were part of that famine that of the many people that died during that famine. But he saw her and he went to her and he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I might drink. And so as she was going, as she was going to fetch it, she didn't say one thing to him. Like some, you know, maybe some women today might say, hey, you got two legs. What's the matter with you? You know, especially if it's, if it's like you're, you're starving and you're getting two sticks. But she went on, she, she walked, walked on and was getting this water and he said, and hey, while you're at it, could you also bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, how did she know that it was his God? I gave you a hint earlier. He had a mantle on. Yes, he had a mantle on. So they knew that he was a prophet. She said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I don't have a cake. 
I just have a handful of meal in a barrel and a little cruise of oil. I mean, somebody should have told her that actually is a cake if you mix it together and put it on a stove, but I'm not getting in the middle of this story. It's been too long ago. So she said, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I can go in and dress this for my son and me that we may eat and die. So what if you were Elijah in that situation? I'm sure he was a compassionate man and that he maybe thought, this might not be the woman, you know, because God didn't say he was leading me to somebody that was starving about to eat their last meal. He could have rationalized all that. But he continued. And as she was going, he said, fear not. Go ahead and do as you said. Go ahead and make your meal and die, you and your son. But first, but first make me a cake and bring it to me. And after, make it for you and your son. And then, I mean, I, then I can just feel, as I can feel even now, I could just feel the anointing and the presence of God beginning to stir something because he says, go ahead and make it for me. And then you go ahead and do what you said you're going to do. Fear not, go and do as you said and bring it to me. And after, make it for thee and thy son. And he said, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And we know that was still another year and a half, another year and a half. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah but it was also according to the word of the Lord. They never had the conversation that we know of where she said, well, I knew you were coming. God already commanded me to do this. They never had that conversation. You never hear of it. She just did what the Lord, the Lord prepared her. He, he said, I've commanded a widow. So obviously he already commanded her and gave her a little forewarning of what was happening. So we see two mothers as we're closing out today, we see two mothers that serve two different gods, driven by different desires in life. Jezebel, driven by the flesh in every way. You know, she was the mother of a girl named Athalia, very evil woman, very evil woman whose son was going to be next in line for the king. And her son had children, so they were her grandchildren. But her son died before he took the crown. And she murdered her grandchildren so that she could be the queen and stay in rule. That's how evil, evil begets evil until we break that curse. I mean, even in our own lives, you know, I, I struggle with I, cholesterol. My mother had high cholesterol. Her mother had high cholesterol. You might su suffer with blood pressure you, or you might have diabetes. Things are passed on. I just say, you curse, you be broken. I don't have you, I don't receive you. All those things that, that are in the world are the result of the curse that's in the world. Even emotional illnesses are curses that have usually been passed on. If you, if, you, if you look and search the history, you'll find, oh yeah, that was in our family. Yeah, how about suicide? That's in families, you, you can find suicide. Oh yeah, my grandpa did, my uncle did, and you find it going down. I'm just encouraging you today that we're not people of the curse, we're people of the blessing. We break, 
and we bind those curses that would come to us and try to tor torment us. And usually they come when no one else is around and we're left to ourselves. And that's when we suffer the most, isn't it? So the point of the story during the same time period, see, this was happening during the same period of time, if you think about it, and I never thought of it as happening during this famine when everything was very difficult and one turns to more evil and one listens to the man of God and her life is transformed. She ended up providing a room upstairs for, for Elijah and he stayed there until the famine was over. So I took the word mother just to describe Jezebel and then also to describe this widow of Zarephath. So M is for manipulative. Jezebel was a very manipulative person, so much so that she convinced Ahab to build her altars for Baal and he served Baal along with her and their children served Baal. They taught the kingdom to worship Baal. Oh, she was oppositional. She did not receive correction. She did not receive advice, discipline in any way. T, she was toxic, very toxic. To even to the prophet Elijah, if, if you read on with that story. She was hot-headed, H. Remember the field that belonged to Naboth and she wanted it for her husband and she had Naboth murdered so her husband could have a piece of property that he wanted. So she was very hot-headed. She was evil. She threatened the life of Elijah, even scared Elijah that he went back off to himself and was very depressed. She had an impact on him. And R, she was ruthless. She would stop at nothing. And if you don't know what defenestration is, that's how Jezebel died. Defenestration, it means throwing out the window, throwing someone out of a window. So I, I found that was a British word. I was like, okay, I'm using it. Uh, so she was thrown out of a window. We know the dogs came. I mean, that was prophesied years before that there would, that there would be a daughter of Baal and the dogs would come and lick her remains in the streets. And that's exactly what happened. Now, the good mother, the good mother, she was M, merciful. She could have ignored God's command and Elijah's and stuck with her plan, you know? I mean, she was a, a mother and, and her first interest we could clearly say was her son. You know, some of you today, maybe your husband, your children, you have put above God. You know, anything that we put above God is called idolatry. God said, I'll have no other God before me. As much as we love our children, they're not first place. God is first in our lives. Amen. Oh, she was obedient. I mean, he just said, fetch me. And she started walking. Fetch me. As I said, some women would like put their hands on their hips and say, fetch you what? I'll tell you what you can fetch. And <laughs> I don't say bad words, but sometimes I think things. I'm just <laughs> confessing. I think a smart aleck things to say back to people. It's not, I ask God to forgive me now in the presence of everyone, Lord. Not only was she merciful and obedient, she was trusting. She trusted. I mean, she was like, I'm giving my cake to him first. So she had to have some level of trust. 
Doesn't mean there wasn't some hesitancy, but she had trust. H, she was humble. She was humble. She didn't argue back. She didn't have uh, anything to say, but she used a humble spirit. E, she was exemplary. She was a great example for me, for you, for all of us when God is trying to do something new in our life and we think a season is over, but God is saying, wait a minute, if you just put me first, I've got plans for you that you didn't know of. Listen, those are happening in my life right now. 20 years ago, God spoke things to me and I told my husband, he said, honey, that is so sweet. I'm so glad you have faith, but I just don't see how that could happen in our life at our age and those kinds of things. I wasn't trying to have a baby or nothing, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't happening because he helped me with that a long time ago. So, um, oh Lord, I get in trouble when I get off my notes. Never mind. <laughs> she was exemplary and R, she was remunerated, wasn't she? The barrel, that little bit that she had, it did not end. It didn't fail for a year and a half. It did not fail. I think that's so beautiful. See, God had what both of them needed and she had what Elijah needed and Elijah had what she needed. What, a, what an amazing trilogy right there in that story. But you know, when it's all said and done, there's nothing quite like a woman. Amen? We're extraordinary. We're gonna use it for good or for evil. And God has empowered women in a unique way in the fashion of their physicality, emotionality, and spirituality. And we bring elements of beauty and love in a way that a man cannot compete with it. They're trying, but it ain't happening. <laughs> there, but there's, there's nothing like a woman there's nothing like a woman. I mean, look at, look at us. Look at us. How amazing. Really. You give us a sack of groceries and we'll make a dinner. You buy us a house, we'll make a home. You give us a sperm and we'll make a baby. Is that the truth? Because God uses women for multiplication. He uses us for, we forget the secret of multiplication that God uses in us. When you're, when you're making that meal, that mama, they got that frying pan for today. When, you, when you're cooking those eggs, you, yeah, you're gonna feed your family with it. You think about that. That's what godly mothers do. She took flour and oil and God multiplied it for the rest of the season. So today, as a worship team comes, what can you offer God today? Husbands, fathers, mothers, daughters, whoever you are. Would you put him first? Would you try it? If you haven't done it, if you've thought no, and I've heard so many mothers say, once I had a baby, that became my world. I'd be careful. God is first in our life. Once I got married, now he's my world. He completes me. No, God completes you. He will bless what you're doing beyond that. He'll, the marriage will be greater if you put God first and then you realize my spouse is here and I'm gonna serve my spouse 
under the influence and blessing of God. And we're going to parent our children under God and under our unity as husband and wife. And then we're going to bless our children. But it has an order that God has put together. Because we have talents and gifts, you can operate out of Jezebel's definition of mother or out of the widow woman's definition of mother. And you can get what you want, what you need, and more than you could even expect if you give everything to God. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, thank you today, Lord. God, I praise you today for the power and the energy that's in this room and online with those who are watching. You're so important today. I just consider that you're sitting in the den watching. You're in church in the den. We're in the family room and the children are out in the kids' room over there. It's all the house. But today, wherever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, maybe you're in a drought. Perhaps you're in a, a famine in the financial realm or a famine in the spiritual realm, relational realm. I just pray today that you would be sensitive in this moment Take advantage of the moment that is here. Don't take it and say, I'm gonna think about it later, but this moment is important. This is a defining moment. I feel it in my spirit that God is saying, will you start today to put me first in everything? Put me first. That's all he wants. He wants first place and then he gives you everything when you give him first place. But we want to hold on to things and we have lack. If you let go and give it to God, you will have abundance in him. He wants to give you abundance. If you don't know him today, by that I mean if you have not asked Jesus to forgive your sins and come and live in your heart, you never made that official where you said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I, I need you because when this life is over, I want to spend eternity with you. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hands for a moment? I would love to see the hands and then I want you to put them down. Keep them up. Keep them up for just a second as I go around the room and then put your hand down. Yes, I believe every session section except one, there's someone that raised their hand. You know, that's so important. I congratulate you. And I ask you to pray this prayer with me and with everyone as we repeat boldly, thank you, God, you sent Jesus for me, to die for me, for my sins. My sins nailed you to the cross. And I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry for my sins. Come and live in my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And I will be with you forever. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen, amen. God bless amen. you. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.